I think for people like Jane and myself, we take our jobs seriously, and the, the two key components to being successful are trust and credibility. And they just don't have that. And, and this isn't a political perspective, this is just fact from our industry. So we're talking as you know, experts in this, in this particular field. Welcome back to Stop Talking, and on today's Stop Talking, we're talking credibility and the media. There has always been a low level of almost friendly friction or skepticism between journalists and PR communications practitioners, most especially those working in government roles. While journalists don't like to admit that PR people can be very helpful getting good information quickly and correctly, there are also plenty of moments when that relationship can fail. As we're all aware, tensions in this country are high, in particular on the political front, and recent issues that the country has seen between the White House communication teams and physicians at Walter Reed and how the media has reacted have gotten our attention here at the Stop Talking podcast. This isn't how it's done. It isn't good for the organization or for the media. And Sarah, I am so glad. So we, I think you and I were sharing a, a vibe on this because Last week, as I was watching this unfold, um, I instantly thought, oh my gosh, we have to have a, a Stop Talking podcast about this. And we are here to unpack and dig... Meryl. <laughs> there you go. And dig deeper into this situation. So how have you been? Been good. I'm exhausted from watching all this. Uh, I, can't, I can't stop watching all the news coverage and the debates and you know all the election activities, but, but this issue in particular, like you said, I think I was thinking about you over the weekend too. I, I should have texted you to, you know, flag this, which oh, wait you a did. minute I did. You did on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I just think this is kind of right up our alley for a conversation and um, why I thought of Jane, our guest, to participate in this. And I can't wait to introduce Jane as well. But first and foremost, the most important burning question that I have for you, Margaret, Margaret the dog, what Halloween outfit costume is she going to be donning uh, this Halloween? Well, it's a little up in the air. Uh, I had chosen a little, she doesn't like to wear anything. This is not a dog that you dress up or anything. But I. But you this, do. I, I try. Yes. I try. Mm -hmm. um, the best I've got is a little sweatshirt, a little hoodie. But I bought this headband with little cat ears on it. It's too big for her because her head is really the size of a ping pong ball. Okay. So it doesn't stay on. But it's it's so cute. So I will... Use it as a prop in some way. I think that's as far as we're going this year is with like a little kitty cat. Now, do you, do you think that the kitty cat ears on the doggy dog ears, mm -hmm. w will Margaret start to become confused? I mean, is there conflict there? What does that look like? We love her no matter what. Okay, sure. Whatever her choices are. Okay. <laughs> or your choices for her, <laughs> clearly. Jane's a dog person too, so that's okay. <laughs> so uh, your, your friend Jane Wattrell is here joining us. And Jane, I'm going to read your bio, okay? So bear with us. Um, and if I stumble over anything, please smack me across the, the interwebs. Um, so uh, Jane Wittrell considers herself a hybrid for over 30 years. She worked as an award-winning reporter for local TV stations and as a national correspondent for NBC stations based in D.C. During her 13 years in D.C., Jane covered numerous national stories, including the 9-11 attack on the Pentagon, the D.C. snipers, and the massacre at Virginia Tech. She also reported on national news from Capitol Hill and the White House. In 2012, she left TV news and joined the Orange County Sheriff's Department as a public information officer and social media manager. And when Sheriff Demings was elected Orange County mayor in 2018, 
He hired wisely Jane as his communications manager. Jane earned her undergrad degree in journalism from Penn State and her master's degree in PR from Georgetown University. She was a member of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., and my favorite part, has been guest lecturer at the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia, and that just sounds super cool to me. So I want to welcome you to the show, and I want to, I want to also thank you for your patience with us as we set this up. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little hiccup getting going. Well, uh, Jane and I um, have been, we started in this market, worked in this market at the same time. I was with the newspaper and she was with Channel 9, which is always the big gorilla uh, in TV news. And she was always well-respected, always done a great job. And then she left and went to Washington. And we were having a conversation about the Washington press. I knew she worked in the Washington press corps. And it's so different in DC and the way the news media function and how they um, interact with um, their subjects and, and each other. And so with all of the activities that we've been watching, in the past few weeks, but really in the, over the past four years with this White House, I just thought it would be a great conversation for somebody that knows that landscape and uh, all of the ins and outs, and to with uh, for this conversation to also you know pick up a little bit on what we saw and what we've seen in the last week or so because it's been it's just been um, troubling troubling and kind of fascinating. Well, Sarah, so why don't you break down all? All that's transpired in the last week, and you know, prior just to note, this show will probably air about a week or week and a half after this recording. So just bear with us with the timelines. But uh, this was last uh, was it last Wednesday, last Thursday? I, I don't know the specific date, but I think Wednesday or Thursday because it was right after the presidential debate. Uh, but I, I'll back it up a little bit, and I said this earlier that I don't think that you know, the, I, I it's my opinion that the job of press secretary and communications director in the White House. That's the hardest communications job I can think of. I don't know anything harder than that if you were on this, this side, because having to deal with um, this uber aggressive and smart and massive media audience in Washington, uh, it's, it's, it's unimaginable. I, I couldn't do it, and I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do, but I, wouldn't, I have no desire for that job whatsoever. Um, so. I don't think that in uh, this White House, one would give them props for the series of uh, press secretaries that have uh, been here under this administration, from Sean Spicer to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and now um, Kaylee McKen McKenna, however she pronounces her name. McInerney or something. That, yeah. And um, I think for people like Jane and myself, we take our jobs seriously, and the the two key components to being successful are trust and credibility. And they just don't have that. And, and this isn't a political perspective. This is just fact from our industry. So we're talking as you know, experts in this, in this particular field. So, there's a, so that this White House in four years has that quick legacy. But in the last couple of weeks, with the intensity of the election gearing up, and then the coronavirus and the economy and all these things that they're all being pummeled with, um, the president, you know, it's announced that he's got the virus. And everything just kind of goes crazy. And so we start seeing different uh, responses, different sources. Um, you know, we see messaging coming from the president himself. I believe he tweeted it at like 1.30 in the morning. 
we see the White House not saying anything, and we see the Walter Reed physicians coming out and um, saying, painting kind of a rosy picture, essentially. And then uh, on, uh, I, on Saturday, I was watching, a, as this progressed, a reporter from CNN say that the press pool had received a, an anonymous message saying that the president was in really bad shape and the next 48 hours were critical. Uh, you know, so all of these mixed messages from unknown sources, then you find out it was the chief of staff who I think was trying to stay off the record, but somebody caught him on camera and outed him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's been sloppy, it's been unorganized, and generally, when you have multiple organizations the size of the White House and the size of Walter Reed Hospital and a shared issue, the communications teams are communicating with each other uh, to make sure that these things don't happen. They might disagree on what is to be said and come to some kind of a compromise, but at least they're alerting each other so one hand knows what the other is doing. And in this case, you know, they the, the subject is the president. He gets to say, and apparently does, what is going to be made public and not. And now you have physicians who are saying things that are clearly not accurate, can't, don't make sense necessarily. So all of these things were playing out. And so um, that's kind of where we are with this and it's continuing. Uh, and so then the communication staff at the White House, they all become positive with the virus. So there's nobody there now, I think. <laughs> so it's kind of a mess. So I, what I thought would be interesting is for um, Jane, who knows that world, to kind of describe it, tell us what it's like, and how this really should be done. What 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 would happen with in normal circumstances? So Jane, and, and I heard this fact too. This this was really interesting to me, as Sarah, to your point that the entire you know the White House being infected. At at one point, there was more infections in the White House than there was in the whole country of New Zealand. So. <laughs> That was a really staggering uh, number. But, you know, my, my first question for you, Jane, is how important do you think credibility and trustworthiness is uh, while being a, a spokesperson in government? I mean, there's we know that there's a lot of things have to be softened. Uh, maybe we don't give the whole truth sometimes, but why does that matter? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me, uh, Tom and Sarah. I think it matters because that's all you have. I used to feel that way as a journalist and I'm sure Sarah felt the same way. As a reporter, all I had was my word to give to a source, to give to someone that I would protect them or I would tell the story the best way I could. And I feel that really translated to the other side of the camera when I became a spokesperson. Really, that's all you have. Um, if that matters to you, and of course it matters to me greatly, and I know it matters to Sarah too. It doesn't seem like this White House, it exactly matters. It seems like there's a lot of deliberate confusion. That's what I, I've always kind of observed about that White House. But for me, um, I want to be able to tell a reporter or do an interview on behalf of the mayor and be credible and have the person at home say, yeah, I, I believe it. Um, that's what's going on. And, and, no, and almost challenge the reporter. I mean, here's what I'm telling you. Go fact check it. I'm not the least bit concerned. And I think that's, again, we're jumping to the White House where the breakdown is. They create, in my opinion, deliberate confusion. And then that sends the uh, reporters off for the rest of the day trying to fact check, trying to, you know, I don't, I, I have to believe it's a strategy just to kind of keep them away from maybe the issues of the day. 
but it sends them down this rabbit hole for like the rest of the day. Like Sarah talked about the doctors, um, you know, the doctors kind of parsed words. Then there was like a tweet. Then uh, the chief of staff said something else. Well, as we all know, anybody who watches news and I'm a news junkie, the rest of the day and all through the Sunday morning talk shows, everybody was trying to parse out, what does that mean? What does that mean? To me, if you're clear, then it's kind of over. You know, they, you have the facts, you have the issues, and then you can decide at home what your view is. And I guess, and again, I go back to when I was a reporter, I tried to just lay things out for people and let them decide where the truth is. But I, I see that, again, with this strategy at the White House, it's one of, let's just throw them down a rabbit hole and truly... We don't care about the credibility. The president's the final spokesperson. Right. He can say what he wants. Um, and, and that just seems to be, a re and, and we've noticed a real frustration on the part of the press corps. The press corps, it's one of the largest, when I started thinking about it, I became part of, when I worked up there, it's huge. It's probably one of the, the biggest place for journalists in the world. I have to think. I, I can't think of any other place, maybe New York City, but there are literally thousands of journalists. You have local, national, international people that come in, you know, from around the country. Um, it's it's just loaded with journalists, and you know that we thrive on gossip, speculation, facts, and um, and then you throw in social media, and you throw in you know spokespeople where you have to fact check them all the time, and it's it's pretty active up there. There's as you've seen on the news, there's a lot of frustration um, going into trying to figure out what is the White House really saying. I would imagine that DC is like the holy grail for, for, for journalists, right? And for communication pros. So it's great because everything ends up in, in Washington. I mean, a local story, I was just thinking a local story, for example, um, I covered a, a local story of a VA worker. He was a, and he, I don't know if you guys remember how computers got lost with people's personal information on it. Some VA worker had a computer that he shouldn't have taken out of the VA, took it home, it was stolen. And that became, and that's like a local story, but it became a national story. Right. So every time I was on something, I mean, national wise, you know, covering hearings, but local, locally, everything turned into a national story. It was a, a really great place to work. And it was very competitive. I told Sarah that um, there were like a thousand people behind me that wanted my job. I mean, people really wanted to work there and really wanted a job there. So you had it and, you know, you really had to work hard to keep it too. So one of the things you were just talking about that I kind of want to come back to is, and I feel very naive when you said it, um, the whole concept of using uh, not disinformation, but confusion as a tactic, like that's never even occurred to me that that's part oh, of a, a, it. Like, well, let's let's confuse the entire population. It's done all the time. I, I just I can't believe yes, that it's done all the time. I will be happy to say I've never had to do it. I've never been asked to do it, but it is done all the time. the The issue here is it's coming from the White House, and it's also blatant. We see it. We you know it's hard to figure out what the facts are, but you can see the tactics as they're being activated. So, but it's it's done all the time. Wow, what a world! Uh, but I want to I want to point out, Jane is working on the COVID nineteen responses now. She's been on this just like just like the White House has. Um, so she's right in the middle of it where she is in the mayor's office. So she knows 
she knows the way that it's supposed to be done. And I have to say, I think the, the, the county's done an amazing job. That is where I go to to find out you know, the status of the numbers in Florida, but particularly here where we are. But they've done, they've done a great job. And it's because they communicate consistently um, and in multiple platforms, and the mayor is very um, clear and open. So they, that's the way that it's supposed to be done, and it's in stark contrast to what we're seeing coming out of Washington. So w one, of the, one of the questions here is, is about how aggressive um, media folks need to be up there. And, and, and Jane, do you, do you think they're wrong to be as aggressive as they are? I mean, I, I've watched some of these uh, press conferences at the White House, and you know, they get shut down pretty quickly as well. But, but what's your take on that? Well, my take is kind of twofold. Um, if you poke the tiger enough, and I'm talking about the media, you know, you poke them enough, they're going to get angry and maybe, and there are times when they're angry and I think, well, that's really not justified, but I think they've been poked enough by the white house and, and provoked enough that, um, that they, there are times I will say when they are overly aggressive and it, it kind of cracks me up. But, um, but mo most of the time, the media is pretty aggressive to begin with. You're talking about people that are at the top of, top of their game, just like politicians and uh, government workers, you know, the, the, the media corps that's up there, the press corps, they're, they're at the top of their game. They're, they're, they're reporters that have access to all kinds of research. It's not, uh, I was telling Sarah, it's not just like the, I'll talk about TV. The, you're not, it's not just the reporter you see in front of the camera. I always said there were five people behind you that are making you look good. The guy behind the camera, your researcher, your producer, your people back in the newsroom. You know, so there's, and when people see the press corps, they see the president having a news conference and maybe there's 50 reporters in the room. There's probably 500 people that are behind those 50 reporters, you know, helping them with research and things like that. So I think when you aggravate the press corps, and I mean, it's a large press corps, um, you've got problems. I, I, and, and again, they're aggravated over things that I think could be very simple. Um, let's take that doctors at Walter Reed. Uh, maybe you just write something up and give it to the media. You know, you put it in writing, say, give a timeline and then say, hey, here's the timeline. You guys have it. I'm going to go over it. Any questions? I think that tamps a lot of stuff down. But it, the other thing I've kind of noticed about this White House is things are very much on the fly. Like the president is very mercurial. He, um, you know, uh, changes his mind quickly. Uh, which can be an asset sometimes, but other times not. And I, I think it's bad when you're dealing with the media. You know, you, you need to be straightforward, consistent, and transparent. And um, so I think by not doing some of those basic things then at the press corps just wants to have so they can report it to the public and the public can make an informed decision, you can just see it's driving them. It drives them crazy because they don't feel like they're dispensing correct information. I do think it's interesting to see the change in tone and level of hostility on the part of some of these reporters, because you can tell they're they're frustrated, they're tired, they've been, you know, they've been called the enemy of the state, and the enemy of the people, and all of those things. And after a while, you know, I you know, my expectation is, look, you know, you have the ultimate power. You're going to report what you want to report. But the reality is, they're doing the job of the people, and it's important what they do. It's critical to people like me that's just sitting out here in the world hoping that I'm going to get really good, accurate, correct information of what's going on in our country. But 
it's, uh, I think that there is a lot more editorializing that's taking place, not just on the shows at night, the talk shows, but in the actual reporting when they're coming on, uh, you know, during a segment during the day, you can you can tell which reporters are giving opinion. They're 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 biased, and, and I wouldn't say they're biased in terms of Democrat versus Republican or liberal versus conservative. They're biased in we just want some answers. If you can't tell us something, then say so, but don't you know don't yank our chains like this, and don't drag us over here, and don't drag us over there, and you know this whiplash concept is real. I think they just feel like they get pulled over here and there, back and forth, and they can't do their job. So um, I do see a, a increased hostility and uh, aggressiveness. Even some, And I also think sometimes their emotions are getting the better of them, and they are asking throwaway questions. To me, and I've never done this, so I'm not you know, I've never sat in that room at the White House and had the opportunity. I've interviewed a president, but not like that. And to, to waste a question for such a, a quick moment that you have that opportunity seems, um, I don't know, just seems sort of wasteful. I would rather that they help each other out when the president doesn't answer a question that one reporter has asked, help the other, you know, have another reporter ask again, in a different way, and which they've done a time or two. But I'd rather see some of that collaboration to get an answer instead of just being pissed off and trying to piss off the president and throw away a question. I think that there's a lot of angst and, and to your, both of your points, anger within that community. Um, I, I was doing, I recently did an interview at a local channel and made a joke about something being fake news. And I know this reporter well, I've done several segments with them and he lost his mind when I said yeah. that, and I, because it, it it is real to them that mm -hmm. they they really feel strongly that what they do, and and I believe and I know that it is, but what they do is is such a huge integral part of society, and there is some hostility. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, you know I, it's it's not a secret that I've had that dust up before, and and it is because I I did say things like that, and I do feel badly about it. I wasn't trying to be, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was clearly insensitive. Um, you know, my closest friends literally are journalists. That's who I hang Some with. Some of my best friends. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but the, the last thing, I'm really, it was never my intention to be insensitive at all. But that's just the, it was to me sort of the normal banter back and forth that PR people and journalists have had traditionally. I used to be on the other side. I used to say terrible things about PR people. I still say terrible things about PR people. But I did... I, I did realize this is really um, this is really serious, and we talk critically about the work, but we don't resort to any of that stuff. Um, and I want to add that um, some of my friends in Washington, um, like people that have worked at CNN and somebody, they have taken their logos off their cameras, off everything, because of the harassment they get from the public. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been very interesting. When I was up in Washington a couple of years ago, I ran into a, some crews that I knew. Um, that worked for CNN and they said, we can't even have our logo on because the, the way they get attacked in public. Mm -hmm. So they, this wow. is something else that the Washington press corps is dealing with that we don't see down here in Orlando because um, Washington is full of visitors, people from all over the country, all over the world. So um, it, they, it's been a very difficult time up there. They've been attacked sort of from all sides. Hey Jane, what was it like the first time you went into the White House to cover a story? Well, um, it was it was almost 
I was almost breathless. You know, I, I landed a job and I had it for three years where I was a, a correspondent, a national correspondent for um, 14 stations that NBC owned. And I worked with another um, correspondent, Steve Hamsman, who was a, like a dean. He was just a great mentor and, and had been in Washington for, for decades. So Steve and I um, did stories and we went live from the White House. And I had worked in local news for a little while before I got up in Washington, before I landed this great job. So I'm walking in the gates and I see this local news reporter who's there. And she, and, and instead of, I thought she'd welcome me and say, hey, welcome to the White House. She goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> wow. And I said, well, I'm, I'm working for, the name of the unit was TVSD, Television Stations Division. I said, well, I'm working for TVSD. And she goes, well, she goes, where's Steve? And I said, well, Steve is off today. I said, I'm filling in for him. She goes, well, how come they hire you? She said, and uh, I was like, well, I couldn't think of what to say, but I felt like I gave a good answer. I go, well, uh, because I'm good. And that's all I could think of. And I was happy that I thought of that, but I walked away thinking, welcome to Washington. That's the press corps. That was my encounter. Like, Hey, how come you got that job? So why they, didn't I get that job? But they you know, I'm better than you. They didn't put out chocolate for you or anything like that. <laughs> oh no, no, they did not put out chocolate. Wasn't and it? I got a lot of. It was very interesting when I got that job. A lot of people were like, "Well, how did you find out about it?" And you know, I had a lot of connections. It was never advertised, and uh, it was eye-opening to me wow. um, how hostile. Um, other members of the media were because I, I got this job, you know, that they, well, that I, is, that is, hired me. <laughs> that is the creme de la creme. These journalists that are in Washington and journalists, and I'm not talking about, you know, these bloggers and these kind of citizen journalists who haven't kind of risen through the ranks, but those journalists, they're the best of the best. It is a, it is prestigious to work there. And it says, it speaks volumes about your skill set to be part of that press corps. I can't it, even. It was, uh, and it was great too because there were. I mean, again, there were so. I got to sit in on some of those news conferences. What What happened was we would go out and gather the stories, go to hearings, uh, take in feeds, and then front our pieces from the White House. But we got to sit in on a lot of. This was the end of the Clinton and beginning of the Bush George W. Bush. And, uh, you know, with 9-11 and Homeland Security, and it was interesting to sit in on, there was still a lot of hostility um, between the Bush people, you know, with 9-11 and the warnings and why did you follow the warnings? It was a very interesting time to be there. So again, there was a lot of tension, but um, I didn't feel that, I felt like the information we got was clear, you know, that you could put it out and it was it was good for the public. It wasn't as, as I said, kind of a, um, deliberate, confusing type um, type stuff. We weren't getting this mixed messages, in other words. What about your transition from journalism to being a, a spokesperson and communications team for you know the sheriff now mayor? How was that? It was it was interesting, and you'll you'll laugh about this. So you know, I, I went and got my master's degree because I I thought I've got to figure out a way you know to do this and to learn the mindset. So I had. Going to Georgetown was fantastic, but when I got the job, it was really different. And when I got interviewed on camera, I remember I was at a, a, a homicide scene and I was on camera and I was attributing everything. I was saying, well, the detectives say this, da, da, da. and, and the, one of my colleagues pulled me apart, pulled me aside and said, you're the authority now. You don't have to attribute. You know, I would attribute like, according to the detectives. Oh, yeah. oh that's funny. To the, and I thought, she's right. I, I can say 
it, you know, he was shot and da da da. You know? So that was pretty funny. I, I kind of laughed about that because I was so used to attributing everything and making sure that people knew when I wrote my story who was telling me right. this fact. It wasn't your fact. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, re- I'm, I'm the, you know, I remember I'm when you story. came back. I remember when you came back because I remember when you got hired there and because I heard about it and I was like, Jane Luttrell, she's coming on our side? Really? Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> That's it's, a compliment. it's been great because, uh, and I was telling, I feel um, whoever you work for, I, I've, been, I've been very fortunate to work for Sheriff Demings and Mayor Demings because he believes in transparency. I mean, obviously you can't be a hundred percent transparent, but we're pretty darn transparent um, about things. The things we are transparent about, you know, you'd have, it's just protecting someone's um, health information or something like that. Talking about COVID, you know, having to be careful in that, that aspect, but um it's, it's great to go to the other side and not have to, you know, have part of your job. I, I feel really confident in what I say and I know, you know, what's going on because there is that, per, you know, people that believe in transparency. And I only, you know, again, I only wish that not just the president, there's other, we can go to um, businesses or, or corporations. I just wish more people believed in transparency. It would make their lives and the public's lives a lot easier. Yeah, the I think what's been interesting because that's the that's the term you think about when you see these physicians come out when they start speaking you think oh well these are doctors they're going to tell you facts. Yes. They may the not trans- tell you right. everything. Yes. Correct. And then when we saw them on the two day, you know, back to back press briefings, I was just shocked that wow, you can't even trust doctors at this point. That's what my takeaway was. And I know that I, I could not have been the PR person behind them telling them to do that. I think I would, be, I would just be horrified. I was horrified. I was horrified for the internal communications teams at Walter Reed. I'm sure that's not their MO. Um, and I, you know, it, just makes, it just makes you so... Um, I don't know. It's upsetting to see. Yeah. And I think to your point, Sarah, if the White House people and, and who knows, but I, I just don't I don't think you I think we both agree. I don't think the White House sat down with these doctors to say, hey, you can say this. Don't worry. You know, you can reveal this about the president, but please don't say that. And then really, if you say the press corps, I can't tell you that because it's it's going to violate, say, HIPAA. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're again, if you say why you can't say it. I think that's as transparent as, you know, it, it's just transparent. You're telling, at least they have an explanation as to why you're not saying it. It's the it. truth is what it is. Yeah, except, it's the truth. It's what you're dealing with. Except you these know? guys, you know, this Dr. Conley, I think, is that it said that I, I can't tell you something. The question he was asked about the president, and he said, I can't tell you, you know, because of HIPAA. Well, he had released other information. So you can't right. just pick and choose right. how HIPAA right. is um, right. You know, viable. So, right. so we released this because the president allowed us to under mm-hmm, HIPAA. Mm-hmm. But I can't answer that question because we're not being, you know, we're, we're just not allowed to talk about that. Right. Again, that would be a more credible, mm-hmm. you know, answer to the public. And they could go, oh, OK. All right. So the president said you can tell them about about X, say my oxygen levels, but we're not going to talk about why, you know, my blood pressure or something. So I would love to hear how both of you would have handled this whole scenario. It, let's say you're, you're in charge of White House PR. 
the president's diagnosed. How how do both how do you handle this? How do you coordinate with Walter Reed or should have coordinated with Walter Reed? What what would that look like? Well, it would be clearly with a, a leader that is comfortable with telling the truth uh, and and being candid with the American public that understands that that that's part of the job. So it, so you're talking under no, normal circumstances, right. but I think it would be fair to you know hold, have a press announcement and announce that the president has been tested and he has tested positive. Um, you know, we are taking all precautions. He is being, he's under medical care. Uh, and, you know, as the days go ahead, we'll keep you updated and give what little information you can. And then if he got, you know, he didn't go to Walter Reed right immediately. Right. He went, you know, right. um, and then, you know, he's under you know, medical, the, hot, the White House is equipped with whatever healthcare facility, because they have, I think, essentially a, a small hospital-like yes. setup. Talk about that. Um, and say that we'll, we'll give an update again at whatever time frame. And the president is in good cheer. He is optimistic. Those kinds of things. Or the president's pissed off because he can't campaign. Um, but I think just giving some basic facts and, and then giving people a comfort level that you've been informed. We've told you as much as we can. We've given you the critical information. Uh, and then and then just follow that through and then work out this and t let what well, if he's going to be transferred as he was to Walter Reed I would have also explained why he was going in a helicopter um because you know one could interpret that that he's in dire need that they got to fly him mm, over because last time he went to last time he went they drove him so right. um I think I would have been able to I would have included that in some of the update and then coordinate with Walter Reed and say this is what we've said we are asking you the president doesn't want this, 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 or known, but you can share this, this, and this. We want to see your remarks before, and we will be there with you. You know, just collaborate and work on it and share that information and make sure the president's good with it. And, you know, all the people that have a decision, the chief of staff at least. And if the chief of staff is going to go talk to the, let your team know that you're going off the record and what you're doing so that these surprises don't happen. I think that's the problem. They've just got a big old game of whack-a-mole. And... <laughs> Um, and it doesn't stop. It. How about you, Jane? I'm, what, what would you add to that? Well, I, this is what I would do. I don't know if it would work, but I would want to educate the press corps by saying, you know, the president is tested every day for COVID. And today he tested positive because right there, it eliminates the rose garden. It eliminates, you know, because now there's all this speculation. When did he get it? Who got it? Who, who else got, you know, I mean, if you could give as clear, again, transparency information, you know, like he, he tested, uh, I think he tested, I think it came out on Friday morning. So he tested fine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but today he tested positive. So right off the bat, you're kind of, you know, saying so that it gives them the, the you know, there's not all this wild speculation. Then, yeah, I, I think personally, that the White House and the Walter Reed doctors should have had a joint news conference. At least the White House spokesperson to come out and say, hey, um, here's, here's what we're going to do. Here are the ground rules. Uh, they can talk about certain things. They can't talk about other certain things. Again, here's a piece of paper that has some information on it for you. Now I'm going to introduce these different doctors, but they are very limited with what they have to say, you know, something like that. I, I just think Again, trying to be as clear as you can with the public. And then the people sitting at home, the people that love our president, um, you know, can go, oh, good. I'm going to hear, you know, and, and 
for the others, they're, they're not going to be able to snipe because they will have all the information. So that's why I just don't understand um, why there isn't, I, I would have just taken more control. I think just a little more control and a little more transparency would have gone a long way. So then as a member of the media and Sarah knows this, then you start to think, well, when, when did he get it? Right. Did he have it during the debates? Did he have, it? you know, again, it raises all this stuff. Now they're off chasing all these things. The, the message gets muddled. He, he looks to me, I just wouldn't want things to be so confusing, you know, and then that's why I think he, the president had to prove, hey, I'm not dead, you know, like Monty Python, I'm not dead yet. Right. I'm going to go and not I'm going to get quite dead it. yet. Yeah. And I'm going to show you that I'm okay. I think that's why he did it. I think right. that because it was sort of botched, you know, that he felt like, oh, geez, well, I better get in the car and show people that I'm alive. Well, you know, I, I his I don't fault him for doing that. His whole oh, I fault him for that. I his <laughs> I do I do because um, first of all, I I'm not sure. Um, I agree with everything you said for the for as far in terms of providing a bigger picture. I think right. um, I'm not sure I would partner with Walter Reed if, if for the initial announcement because to me it kind of might raise the level of concern, and, okay. and I'd be concerned about it getting out before that his results would have gotten out before he had a chance to maybe. Um, be getting treatment or something. I, I'd be a little worried about it getting leaked out because um, sure. he has a big leaky problem there in that White House. Yes, so that, right. that'd be one thing. But I do think a joint press conference would have been hugely helpful and a much yes. better way to go. Um, but, you know, that drive-by that he did, um, the, the concern I have is I think it was, again, um, I just think it was a um, – I think it just scared people that he came out of the hospital. He had, th I think he had three Secret Service people in the car. Uh, I couldn't tell what kind of gear they were wearing, but all I kept thinking was, all he's wearing is a mask. He's infectious. He's going, he's infecting these guys. They're trapped in this sealed vehicle. They're at risk. I know they're Secret Service, but somebody's been explaining it, saying, you know, they're supposed to take a bullet for the president, but the bullet shouldn't come from the president. So all of that. But I think the bigger issue to me is his what he gets criticized the most for is lacking empathy. And there are so many people that are suffering and grieving either because they have the virus or they've lost a loved one. And he's riding around showing that he's tough and he's up and around and all that. And I think it was remarkably insensitive. And I think everything he's done since then, and this isn't about you know, anybody's politics. It's just about the behavior and the message that, and, and who you're speaking to. When he went back to the White House and went up and took the mask off and said, you know, essentially, I'm great. And then yesterday said, I'm cured. When my sister had it, she was sick for eight weeks with it, and she still is struggling with it. So that reality and that it just, to me, was just so insensitive to the loss and sorrow that is real in this country right now. So I, I, I get it, it you know, from a PR side, kind of clever, showing he's tough and he's, you know, he's a big tough guy and strong, but I just think that it was a bad thing to do. It wasn't, it wasn't effective. Optics are everything, right? But this yeah. is also the conversation that the team would be having behind the scenes it, right. it, with a with a, in an ideal know, world in right? a thoughtful well yeah with a real thoughtful leader and a thoughtful because even a, a really good leader might say well what if I rode around in the car would that be okay would that give the country a sense of remember Ronald Reagan after he got shot yeah. you know he stuck when his he head out the out, window waited, yes yeah. yeah 
Um, so, but that's what these conversations are what the team does and to figure out and look at what the impact is. If you do this, what will happen? What, how will the public react? How will this help you? How will this hurt you? Those are the, the questions and answers that have to be discussed before you do something like that. And he's shoots from the hip and yeah. does what makes him happy at the moment. And if you're on his communications team uh, and trying to do your job, uh, it's, it's excruciating, it's painful, it's exhausting. And I have to say, I think it's really deflating um, because you, you can't, you just can't ever seem to get any traction and some consistency. And, and sadly, I think he watches what other people say and then reacts to that too. And again, to your point, Sarah, the press corps is frustrated. They're overly aggressive. They're kind of, I, I actually was watching some of the media and they were saying, well, if we only saw the president, maybe that would be, you know, that would be good. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I think he heard it. You know, why, there are White House photographers that could take a few pictures of you, you know, in the hospital bed mm -hmm. or whatever. Actually, I thought the video he did was effective. That was enough. You know, when he did the right, video and then right. released it yep. to me, I thought that's smart. I yeah. said that, you know, to someone, I thought, well, that's smart. He, he, he controlled the message. Right. And then, yeah, perhaps you're right. It got a little out of control by riding around mm -hmm. where he could have just released another message like, Hey, I'm fine. You know? uh, and you know, the other part of that too was, um, and you would know this, uh, when he goes anywhere, media knows they're notified. They get they get his agenda. They get where he yeah. travels. There's media. There's supposed to be media with him There's at a all pool times, with him, a pool right? Of and they were not notified when he came out. So he ambushed them too. So they were shocked. Some had left. They were told he was not coming out. He wasn't going anywhere. And so they left. And then they find out that he's doing this um, drive-through outside the hospital. So they were really angry about that. You could tell that in some of the um, uh, reporting that was taking place. So that was another, you know, show a little respect. Yeah, to and I guys. know, like, again, there's people that would just laugh at the media and believe the fake news thing. But ultimately, I say to those people, it's hurting you mm -hmm. because you're not getting um, the clear picture, the perspective that, that you need. Maybe they don't want it, you know, but I think overall, I think people do. I think they, they want to know what the truth is, right. at least, you know, figure it out in their head uh, what's going on. And that's where I think we've become a nation of news grazers, where we graze on all these different websites trying to figure out, that's what I do. I try to figure out where is the truth in all of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to try to figure it out. And, and Jane, obviously the namesake of the podcast, Stop Talking, uh, comes from Sarah's sound uh, wisdom to a lot of folks that she may work with. Um, where do you think folks at the White House could have used an opportunity to stop talking? Well, you mean in this just latest incident or overall? Yeah. <laughs> That's a loaded question, right? No, so the, the, the latest incident. I think the latest incident. I, I, think, um, I think the hard part was after the doctors came out, they raised more questions than answers. So they needed to keep talking, um, you know, just to kind of tamp down some of those, um, some of those questions. But I think after the president released some of those videos until he was going to leave Walter Reed. I think that's when it should have been shut down because right. they could refer back. He looked, he did look fine in the videos, you know, and people could accuse him. Oh, maybe they're doctored, but you know, people are going to say what they want to say, but, um, but then, but that's what you have for your visuals. And I think that looked more president to me, that looked more presidential than riding around, right. you know, right. waving at people. So, so I think that's where I would have stopped talking after 
they corrected what the doctor said. And then he put out like, he put out like two videos, I think. So like the, after the second video, that's it until he right. leaves. Lock it up. Yeah. All right. I have yeah. a, a funny stop talking story. I don't know, Jane, if you've seen, I have a little business card and it says stop talking on it. And I hold it up for clients sometimes when they're doing an interview. And sometimes I'll, behind, I'll be behind the camera person so that I can hold it up so my client knows to wrap it up, whatever. So, you know, some clients know they love it because it's a good little guide for them. And I had, I had an event this week and had a client say, don't forget, I need you to hold your stop talking sign up for me, your little card. So I had it out while they did an interview. I don't, that's the first time anybody's ever asked for it. So You're just asking to stop talking. That's, that's, I mean, you're getting them trained, Sarah. That's right. That's, you're, you're doing your job. Well, Jane, I want to thank you so very much for your, for your time this afternoon. I know you have a very busy life and very busy schedule um, it was a pleasure hearing your perspective and, and sharing it with Sarah and, and our listeners. Um, and also, it was, it was a delight to meet you as well. Thank you. It was, it was great. We've got news conference number 76 coming up in about a half an hour. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll be watching. March. Yep. Okay. Thank you so well, much. Thank you, Thanks, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow, what a great conversation with Jane Wattrell and her role again, Sarah. She's the communications manager with the uh, Orange County Mayor's Office, Mayor Jerry Demings. Great guy. uh, He's a great guy. He's got a phenomenal team. She works with great people. They are superior. And and she's, I just always think that she's fantastic. She was quite a competitor when she was uh, in journalism here in town when I was still working in there. She was great. That was, that was a great conversation. And, um, there was, there was one phrase that I know you really want to, to, to unpack and break down a little bit and tell us what that was. It was communications malpractice. Well, tell us about that. Well, I think it's an interesting phrase. It's not mine. I wish I had thought of it. Uh, but I, I have heard it over the weekend with all of the mayhem going on in Washington. I've heard that and political malpractice when they talk about how, Everything has transpired in terms of the election issues and controversies and the debates um, and all of the maneuverings going on there. And I just thought the communications malpractice, even though there's no legal malpractice, um, it, it, what we're seeing in terms of how information is being shared with the American public, it's not done in a proper way and it's not credible. And I, you know, we as American citizens, deserve and are entitled to facts. And that's what we're counting on the nation's uh, journalists to get. And that's what they're working to do. They're trying to get that. But they can't get it if if they're being prevented from getting uh, to speak to the right sources um, and getting uh, the right data and the right answers and truthful answers. So the way that, uh, the way that these communication officials are sharing information is to me it's unacceptable and I think it does fall under malpractice what's the point of being in communications if you're not going to give good information yeah I I can see that I totally agree with you but you know as you and Jane were talking I kept thinking 
There is a, a tremendous wild card in this mix, though. Why? I mean, the president, um, with Twitter, and, and, and I'm not here to, you know, post judgment on, on either candidate or pre existing president of the United States, but I'm, I'm just saying that this is probably an unprecedented environment. Now, certainly there have been past presidents who, who will talk to the media, who will, but he's creating his own media as well. So there's a, I would think that there's a bit of, oh my gosh, we have to combat this a bit, or you never know what's going to come out. So they're always on guard. They always have to be um, looking to protect the integrity of the White House or the message, et cetera. So, um, I mean, that's what kept running through my mind. This, this is not a normal situation by any stroke for any communicator. No, but, uh, I'm, so I would say this. Without question, this president is, is an amazing communicator because he's got a base that will stay with him no matter what. Right. He uses television. He always has. He's used print media. He always has. Uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Carl from ABC talks about his first meeting with Trump like 20 years ago. Um, I have friends that, that work at the networks that, that have talked about Trump and how effective he is in his um, relationships with media and how he used it. And he clearly does it with Fox, and that's where his audience is. And he's used social media brilliantly. I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. I think it's mean-spirited. I think, um, you know, I don't agree with what he says and does, but he's brilliant and he's successful. He knows his audience, right. and he knows when to do it, how to do it. So I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not talking about him. He is the president, and knows what he's doing in terms of that. It's the style in which it's done, right? I mean, you never, you don't know when it's going to come. Um, it could be at one thirty in the morning. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it, it often is. He, right. he doesn't seem to sleep a whole lot. Right. Uh, but, but I would, you know, I'm, I've been a staffer to presidents. I've been consult a consultant with CEOs. And your job is to help them be successful. And your job is to save them from themselves sometimes. Sure. They get emotional and they want the public to know what they want the public to know. And uh, going around media, sometimes that's a smart thing to do. There is a strategy for that to, you know, if you if you want media to cover a particular issue in a certain topic, some t and they are not interested, well then go around them. Let them follow you because if you create the buzz and you create the uh, attention and an audience for it, media will, will come along. That's not a bad thing, it's not a wrong thing. But when you're giving out information that you know is not true, and you know is not complete, and you know is not informing and helping the American public, who it, we are entitled to know sure. some things. We're the customers. Right, yeah. and you try to, as Jane was saying, confuse us. That's malpractice, sure. that's not communications. It is so much better, and we talk about this all the time, that if you're talking to a journalist and they want information, and you say, I, I can't tell you that, I can't give it to you, and you stop talking, they get mad, they're frustrated, but you're not lying to them. And once you start doing that, and once you start obfuscating and, you Ooh, know. Fancy word. Though. I know, and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, twisting and turning and all of that, um, it, to me, that is communications malpractice. And right now, I think this, uh, this um, population of journalists that are working for mainstream outlets um, and that are out there grinding it out every single day, locally, statewide, and nationally most especially because they're covering these issues that are impacting our daily lives today and tomorrow and the next 10 years. 
Um, they are owed respect, they're owed information, and they're owed the truth. And the truth can be, we're not talking to you. I have said to reporters who I think I've been treated unfairly by, and meaning my client has been treated unfairly, that I will say, I am not going to talk to you. And I have absolutely talked to their competition in front of them, but I tell them I'm going to do it. They can get ticked off about that. I think that's fair because uh, they know what I'm going to do. I'm not hiding it. So I've set their expectations. But this stuff, and you see these reporters, and you see them, they're working long hours. They're running around trying to find some information that is meaningful and truthful, and they can't get it. It's obscene. So those people that are responsible for that, if they're not telling the truth or saying, we're not going to talk to you and leave it at that, it's just communications malpractice. That's my new phrase. I love it. And, and speaking of not talking to reporters, uh, <laughs> I, I've been practicing my segues. Mm -hmm. um, so Can you spell segue? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. We'll okay. come back you to that. To do it, yeah. We'll come back to that. So I'm under pressure. Um, so an interesting article hit my desk yesterday, and, and I shared it with you about, tes about Tesla. <laughs> so a little bit about what happened. Uh, Tesla has... Uh, a reasonably robust PR department, uh, the car manufacturer, of course, and uh, Elon Musk decided to start offing that public relations team, and he has. He's dismantled quite a bit of them with a few exceptions. Uh, I think in Europe, he's left a few on. but um, and, and those people were left on just to orchestrate shows and test drives, which is curious. But the interesting thing coming out of him and, and his mentality, his his shift here is, Listen, the media has not treated me or treated Tesla fairly. Therefore, since I have 31, 32 million Twitter followers, I'm going to be in charge of my own destiny and Tesla's destiny in terms of he's going to own his media. So I was really curious about your, your, your take on that. And you said something before the show that I'm going to let you enunciate. But oh. um, <laughs> it... <laughs> and, and, and it has to do with crisis. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, let's kind of understand who he is he has created a car that drives by itself yeah so he's pretty successful he's no slouch right he's he's you know got people to believe that you don't need to touch the steering wheel you don't need to do anything except take a nap while your car is driving you to whatever and by the way I've been a passenger in a Tesla on the interstate and it really does drive itself but it's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and he has had a couple of mishaps, I think, when they were doing one of the car shows and somebody took a sledgehammer and, and you know, hit the unbreakable glass and it shattered. I remember that. So, he, And he's had a few things. He's had some things with his space initiatives as well. I would say, um, you know, there's two things that concern me about it. I don't consider Twitter a good place really for a whole lot. I think there's some great things about it, particularly in emergencies. It's a, a wonderful tool because it's immediate and so many people use it. Um, but I also think it's such a, a cesspool um, and it's such a, just a dark place. It seems to be a floodgate for anybody to say anything about anything they want. And so I'm, I just, I, I stay away from it. You're not a fan of the Twitter. I'm not, no. and I don't, I'm certainly not a fan of it for a, an overall kind of PR strategy, especially because it's such a bad place. There's so much darkness in it uh, and just mean-spirited. So I think you're at risk of Twitter working against you and turning on you if he has something 
that goes wrong or if he has some personal scandal, which I think he's had a couple of oh, kind of personal issues yeah. as well. But um, that that could be deadly. So don't underestimate the uh, the power of Twitter turning on you, um, Mr. Musk. Number one, and secondly, you know PR people are smart. Uh, if they're at that level, if you're working for his company, you've you've um, paid your dues and you've proven yourself. And um, PR people that work at that level are generally um, pretty uh, intelligent, seasoned, experienced, right. right? And they understand strategy and they understand getting you good press. But they also, hopefully, um, you know, sometimes they call in experts like me um, at that level, um, understand that when something goes wrong and you've gotten rid of your PR people and you have to scramble and get people to come in and help you and save your ass because something really bad happened that you didn't anticipate or you thought would never show up, then you're in trouble. Right. So I think um, thinking that you can handle your own PR on Twitter is – um, narrow uh, and probably naive. So uh, good, good for him. And look, he's a multimillionaire. Sure. He's got it. What, he do, know, what, he what do I know? Yeah, good. Do for what you. he wants. But mm -hmm. to your point, it really crisis can happen, and he, you know, that that could have been a shallow, that could have been a misstep. I think that I think that's the thing that happens is you get so big, yeah, and so successful and you've had a couple of incidents that you can get through they're just not that big of a deal that hitting the car window was just not that big of a deal but when something really really bad happens um that it, you can you can lose everything and mm -hmm. that's real that's that's not an exaggeration and and it's going to be somebody like me that's and a, and a lawyer probably um that work hand in hand and help that kind of person get through it and i'm reminded of the the vw diesel engine. Oh, yeah. uh, do you remember that? Mm -hmm. A couple of years, two mm -hmm. years ago, maybe? Mm -hmm. Sure. Where they were completely mis misstating the efficiency of the of the engines mm -hmm. to like everyone that bought it. That's right. So, I mean... And that was such... It was a, catastrophic. That is a legacy brand. And if you remember, I think we talked about it, the letter that the CEO published. It was like a four-page letter and kind of walked you through what they did wrong and what they're going to do to correct it. It was a, a full-blown... Um, you know, mea culpa apology, right. and I uh, thought it was you know really well done. But those are the kinds of things. And somebody at when you're if you're a CEO at Elon Musk's level, and something goes wrong, you're too emotional to be able to address it correctly and understand all the dynamics. It's just like when Jane and I were talking about you know, the president, you know, taking that ride from the hospital and she and I are going back and forth disagreeing on some things and agreeing on others. That's what you need is somebody to come in with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective who's not emotionally attached right. to say, you need to watch out for this, you need to do that, and here's why. This is how it's going to look. Yeah. Or could look. Mm -hmm. And your car might drive itself off a cliff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Without you even knowing where you were headed. Sarah, another great uh, conversation today and thank you so much for introducing Jane Wattrell to the Stop Talking listeners and, and I'm so glad she spent some time with us today um, and I really wish you uh, luck with Margaret's costume outfit and I, I look forward to seeing those shots of her on the Instagrams. Yeah, it's not looking good. Oh, come she's, on, she's not, you got this. She's not, she's you not go to Amazon it. and do some search and you'll, you'll find it. Okay. Or it might find you. <laughs> we'll see. Folks, I want to thank you so much for listening to Stop Talking. And Sarah, where can folks find out more about you and your services? www.sarahbradypr.com. And thank you again. Please share it with a friend, with a colleague. 
and uh, we wish you all the best. Take care, and thanks for listening.